0: Welcome to Senior RX Radio, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Senior RX Radio is brought to you by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, the ASCP. ASCP is devoted to optimal medication management and improved health care outcomes for older adults. Learn more at our website, ASCP.com.
1: Okay, this is Chad Wurz, uh, pharmacist, uh, president elect of the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, and you're listening to Senior RX Radio. Sponsored by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. Now today we are continuing our search for innovative pharmacists, and we've got three very innovative pharmacists on the line that we're going to talk to today about their unique practices. We've got Hedva Levy of HBL Pharma Consulting. We've got Lauren DePaul of Total Health Solutions. And we've got Mary Pat Habermas of RX Angels. And they are all part of the home and community-based consultant pharmacist panel, which is also housed at ASCP, and we'll be meeting on November 3rd at that annual convention. And they all have a unique practice, so we're going to have them introduce themselves, talk about their practice, and try to get into ways that other pharmacists might expand the scope of their practices or expand into uh, different markets. So we'll start with Hedva. Hedva, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, Chad. Thanks for um, putting putting this panel together. Um, so my practice is focused on seniors who are community-dwelling, so living in their homes independently, and I provide comprehensive medication reviews for the seniors and family members if as appropriate um, to look at all of the medications they're taking and in a way advocate for the patient's needs with their healthcare providers. So I do very thorough in-home visits and provide written summaries of my comments and suggestions and facilitate um, the evaluation of medication-related problems and resolution of any concerns for the patient and their family members.
1: Okay, thanks. Lauren?
0: Total Health Solutions and my uh, practice is, I really didn't know the answer to this question until rather, rather recently. I always went with we are a remote patient monitoring business for in-home aging seniors that had a medication management caveat to it. Recently, we have umbrellaed under the term as a community-based organization that delivers long-term care services for those elderly patients that choose to age within their homes. So basically, we secure an environment that's optimal for healing in addition to offering medication management services.
1: Okay, awesome. Mary Pat?
3: So my practice is um, based at community-dwelling seniors as well. Um, currently, I'm contracted one of, with one of the major insurers here in the area, and I'm working on doing complete medication reviews uh, for their base. Um, and then I am also working with a group of physicians um, to try to do some in-office medication reviews, as well as a weight management piece of of the medication management.
1: Okay, well, thanks everybody. Um, I think it's it's, you know, listening to you guys describe it, it's pretty awesome to see where you've positioned yourselves as pharmacists. I think, you know, we we talk a lot about this aging population and the the just the the sheer numbers of people that are entering the the over-the-65 age group. And we can say things like 10,000 people a day, and we can say things like going from 43 million people to 90 million people in the course of 20 or 25 years. But it really starts to hit home because as pharmacists, we like to talk about what we can contribute to the healthcare system, what skills we have that are valuable. And obviously one of those skills is our ability to help somebody navigate a medication regimen that might be very complex, it might be a a large number of medications. And we know that that group is the group that's got the biggest demographic shift. So when we look out in the future, we see all this opportunity and the opportunity is in every facet of healthcare. And you guys represent that uh, without question in your practices. And I know Hedva doesn't know this story, but, Before I really was involved, I've been a member in ASCP for a long time, but before I was really involved, maybe one of the the most impactful, and I don't remember if it was a member profile or if it was a story about her practice, but I remember reading that in the the Consultant Pharmacist Journal. And um, I I tend to travel a lot, so I always take magazines and I read them on planes and I rip out the pages that I want to keep. For later. And I, I ripped that article out and kept that as a example of where pharmacy could go, where pharmacists could go with practice. So um, I thank you, Hedvop. You, you don't know that that was a, a story that, you know, sort of shaped my direction, but uh, it is important. And what you guys all do is very important to other pharmacists that are trying to, you know, test the barriers of where their practice might be able to, um, might be able to go. So I'll start with a question for you. Um, Because you're community-based, I've done radio shows in the past and certainly have never turned away uh, somebody from the public, a family member that needed help. But I've always found it difficult to generate a referral source that would be a business. It was just kind of a, I do this other thing, and because of those skills, I can help people. But I've never been able to get people to just call or refer Um, from a business perspective to uh, the business that I do. So how do you do that? How do you go about generating referrals?
2: It's been one of the um, interesting challenges and, and learning curves, I think, as a pharmacist. I started doing this about 20 years ago now. And my story at the time, and it still is true, that the business aspect of what I need to do to build this in, this unique entrepreneurial practice has been the big challenge in marketing. Of course, there are skills that I was never taught in pharmacy school. Um, so, the the its networking is the biggest um, avenue. I think the biggest route for getting referrals. Um, I have I built a website initially. I had um, my brochures, which I would promote as, as much as I could through my networking resources, uh, health fairs, and this is all initially when I was getting started. Um, and But my website serves as a major resource right now, as well as networking in my community. So we have a senior service organization, uh, a large provider umbrella organization in St. Louis, which enables me to let other people who are working with seniors in the community know what I'm doing. And so that word of mouth has been really valuable. Uh, And then also getting to know the different professional associations in the, I'm sorry, not professional associations, the um, different uh, associations like Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's association. So the disease based organizations where seniors might go to for information and referral has been another source for marketing my services. Just in the last week, it was very interesting, I received a call from somebody who found me on the internet. She was desperate to find help for her mother and was able to find my website. So that proves the value of that. And another referral came in because it was their home health nurse who was aware of my services and had the daughter, suggested the daughter call me. Um, So it's really that word of mouth and networking. And I believe of course the web is ever important today.
1: That's probably the best how I've done it. Okay, awesome. Um, Lauren, a question for you. I know that one of the things that I get a lot uh, running around the country and talking to other pharmacists and healthcare professionals is, you know, where do we think the industry is going? And a lot of my work is based in nursing facilities, so the general question is, you know, people don't really like nursing homes. Um, do you see everything going to a community-based environment? And one of the answers I have is, you know, you really need, with this many people coming, we've seen this dynamic shift in a nursing home. It's not what it used to be. It's not a rest home. It's not a place for people to go live out the rest of their years. It's really a place that's become uh, twofold. It's an acute rehabilitation environment, so it's a two- or a three-week experience for a patient. Or it's somebody that has such advanced psychiatric issues or dementia issues that they do go there for total care but what's really going on is in the assisted living communities and in the home community and the opportunity to keep people in those environments longer and a lot of that has to do with technology so how does your company total health solutions address that and how do you integrate the pharmacist service into all that Uh, Mary Pat a question for you Um, As as you look at your practice, you said you've kind of got a twofold um, approach with the insurer and with the physician's office uh, portion. How Mm -hmm. did that come about? How did you how were you able to um, leverage your service to a big insurance provider, and how did you approach the physicians as well? Um,
3: So with the insurance provider. I, you know, called and emailed and contacted them kind of relentlessly um, saying, hey, you know, I know you guys have these uh, CMRs uh, that have been mandated to be done and that they're not getting finished. Um, and so I just contacted them and just kind of made myself available as a as a source to them um, and asked, you know, can I be contracted with you or is there a way that we can um, utilize my, my skills for you. Um, so I have actually three different insurance companies that I've managed to link with. Um, one of them was just kind of a straight up, you know, you sign up and now you're linked with them, uh, which was, you know, really nice. And, and then one of them was more of a long, the lines of how I, um, practitioner would be contracted with with an insurance. So, you know, they go through that whole contracting credentialing part of it. Um, And then the last one, uh, which has been the most lucrative for me, is I'm actually contracted directly with the insurance group um, and they are sending me um, the patients that, you know, they haven't been able to reach in any other way. Um, Their primary model is to do it through their PBM uh, and So the patients that are, you know, unresponsive to the PVM or or unable to leave uh, because because they are um, maybe slightly uh, cognitively impaired or whatever, they'll they'll set them up with me um, to do it. So I can do it either as a face-to-face or I can do it over the phone with them. And they've given me leeway to pretty much um, approach it however I would like. So if I need to... So if they need to take, you know, an hour or an hour and a half to go through their medications, I can do that with them. Um, so that makes it it makes it more accessible uh, to them to go through all of their medication. And then the second piece with the doctor's offices, that's still a piece that's in motion and growing. Um, I've developed a couple different infographics kind of explaining what I do as a pharmacist and how I may be able to benefit uh, the physician's offices and. Um, and so, right now, I have a very small practice that I'm working with uh, that's sending me referrals. Um, I'm hoping in the future to make it more of an embedded practice where I would be, you know, a day or two actually in the physician's office because it gets around the Medicare B uh, part of the billing question.
1: Okay. Well, that brings me to um, another topic, and I'll, I'll open this, this up to everybody. Um, But it talks about payment. How do you find um, payment? Is it uh, generally patients are paying you cash? Obviously, when you're working with an insurer, uh, they're probably providing some reimbursement for your activity. Um, But with physician's office, is it generally the physician's office that that pays? Or is there a reimbursement method that that you're using uh, beyond just uh, charging somebody straight essentially straight cash for, for your services.
3: This is Mary Pat. Um, so with the physician's offices, what I've done is the incident to billing. Um, and we've just, I, I charge a flat fee for my services and then they bill and you know, whatever they're able to bill is what, what they're able to bill. So,
1: okay. That's
3: how, that's how I've set it up.
1: Okay. And that seems to be an emerging trend with, physician's offices is that they are able to collaborate with a pharmacist and bill a certain rate for you know, a certain um, code and then pay the pharmacist uh, based on that, that rate or just pay the pharmacist straight and try to cover their costs with the billing of those different codes. Is that, is that what you're familiar with or describing?
2: Yeah, yep, exactly.
1: Okay. Hedva, how about you?
2: My payment is uh, private pays is one model that I have, which has always been a smaller slice of my business, I think because people are not used to paying pharmacists for their services as well as all of the co-pays and insurance coverage that people are so used to. The other source of my payment is through contracts. I've been written into some different grants that – home care agencies or health coaching organizations have written me in as the pharmacist evaluation component. And then also through my area agencies on aging, I've gotten some uh, grant money or uh, contracts through them to cover the cost of my services. So there is no charge for the actual patient. So those are the two models I've worked with.
1: Okay. A lot of people ask me as a, Person that works in senior care, that where do I see it going? You know, do I see nursing home business going away? Do I see everything going to uh, home base? And I always answer the same way that we have so many people, and we've seen such a change in what nursing homes provide from that old rest home mentality to now they're you know part of their facility is an acute rehab part, and the other part is really become reserved for people with advanced dementia and advanced psychiatric issues. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I answer it. And I answer that every facet of long-term care or senior care has to be growing and preparing for an influx of people. So there's going to be more assisted living facilities. There's certainly going to be more technology that allows people to to live safely at home. So can you comment, like how does your business approach that from – that at-home standpoint, and how do they leverage technology, and how do you use the pharmacist in that leveraging of that technology?
0: So, basically, our main step, uh, what what we do in our day-to-day operations varies, and um, it can it gets interesting. We design smart homes specifically from the alarm and security end to sensor and monitor different. Pertinent environmental situations that would lead us to a predictive analytics that, hey, for instance, if a person goes home on a diuretic and they begin to urinate, a toilet sensor will tell us, well, how much, especially if they're, um, if they have any challenging um, disease states. So using a basic alarm system and basic functioning, basic technology to Build upon has been where we're really breaking through. Answers your question. Well, it
1: does. And let me follow it up with um, Do you find that your solutions are disease based or are they more overall general health solutions?
0: They're general health solutions and they're more patient specific. Understanding what a patient is capable of doing in terms of technology is quintessential for. Accepting technology, we right now technology is such a, a buzzword and such a, a, a niche that that healthcare really has to grasp. But it's almost like we're at polar opposites. Technology is advancing so much, like medicine, and we have our most critical patients sometimes don't have the means or the understanding of adapting it. So where we come in and facilitate it is we do the work for you. We learn you. Our technology learns you. It's basic. It's been around for a very long time. We're just using already accepted technology and means of technology and, and using it in different perspectives and producing paramount data that's really essential in understanding how we are going to have a, a positive outcome when living in our home
1: longer. Okay, that's awesome. Um, just to follow up on that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that comment that you made, the we learn you comment, because I think that is such a great statement for any anybody practicing that if we're going to provide good care and good service, we have to understand the patient. And you're talking about it certainly from a technology perspective. And as a pharmacist, we like to talk about it from a medication standpoint and a tolerability standpoint Mm -hmm. you know what are you willing to accept what are you willing to not accept what's driving your compliance and adherence so that's a great that's spot on yeah
0: (laughs) that's spot on
1: right okay um and how do you see the senior population in terms of accepting technology i know there's everybody has the bias probably that uh, grandma and grandpa don't you know do much on the internet they they barely email. But I think that's probably not an accurate uh, bias. I think that they'd probably do a lot more. How do you see the the older population adopting technology?
2: The
0: older population love Alexa. (laughs) And and they talk to it louder and louder. And we've used Alexa in certain situations to really capture um, a lot of different needs that, that a senior would need. However, that's really not our, our basic modality is a, a Wi-Fi based. We start with um, the alarm and security industry from a cellular because like, like earlier, Wi-Fi is not really, not really dependable right now. It's very new considering. However, when you start with a uh, security and surveillance system who originated the PERS unit and that, hi, I've fallen and I can't get up, falls is, is, is huge in our industry. Falls is is it's costly too, and from a pharmacist's perspective, we can understand a fall in a senior, and especially the geriatric population, it's detrimental and it's exhausting. And if we can understand and realize how it occurred and, and make earlier interventions, just by understanding sensory, like where that person is at any given moment. It, it, it just opens the door to a gray area for pharmacists, healthcare, technology. We need each other going forward, but there has to be a foundation. And I can't give an 87-year-old an iPad and tell her that this is the way we need to communicate now. It's it it's too. It's too much. Having five plus chronic conditions and aging is is overwhelming, and caregiver for caregivers is overwhelming as well too. I, um, I recently became a caregiver. I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm still in my 30s, and it's been kind of life-altering. And to really speak from experience on, on what we're facing as, as a, healthcare is facing as a whole society is we have to give people the means to get to um, utilizing tablets and smart homes in their functions as everyday mainstream technology. This is what we do. Um, I refer to it as when, if anybody was a community pharmacist and they, they worked during the times of the printer and, that, and paper claims, it's going to be that shift when now uh, computers are in pharmacies everywhere. It has, there has to be this shift in, in accepting what we have, using what we have, and building upon that in order to get anywhere with technology.
1: Okay, great. Now, to shift, um, the next question we asked everybody was in terms of payment, how do you reimburse for your services?
0: As of right now, we strictly have been a private pay based business. Um, this has been a, a struggle of mine to have this type of technology accepted and as a means of producing viable data until recently. The managed care organizations have, they haven't released to the public this paramount study that they have this massive amount of data that uh, they tracked what I'm doing. They have outcomes, they have evidence based, it's evidence based medicine that they have studied in exactly what I'm identifying. So we have, we're finding a home with the managed care organizations and they're really open to being flexible and accepting different ways of doing things. The most brilliant minds have been coined. You can't solve problems using the same mindset that created them. And and that's been my driving force. That's, that's what's going to get me paid.
1: Okay. And essentially
0: reimbursed by the insurance company.
1: Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, to wrap up, um, I always like to talk about, the challenges that each of you face in your practice and obviously you've met a number of those challenges to get where you are as as innovators as pharmacists in this healthcare environment but I always like to talk about challenges and I like to end it with a question about something that you've learned that's counterintuitive to what a typical pharmacist or a typical person might expect based on your business and the example I always give is you know we We've developed uh, some discharge counseling um, activities, and you know, one of the patients that we discharge counseled, we went through all their meds. Everything was great, and the very end, just made an off comment about their blood sugars in the morning are always super low, and it just, it. I don't know why it struck us so strongly, but we we stopped and we we thought, wait a minute, this person, you know, was in their home. They went to the hospital. All their meds were changed. They came to the nursing home. All their meds were changed. Now we're discharge counseling. We're, we're trying to do the right thing and teach them about their meds. But we really didn't understand how they lived in their home environment. We didn't ask the questions about how do you eat, um, and we made this probably inherent assumption that most of us make in healthcare that you know they in the hospital they got three meals a day in the nursing home they got three meals a day. Everything has been. Done for them, administered to them, um, prescribed for them, and now they're going back into the wild. So, just everybody, give a, a, a kind of a comment about what are the challenges you face in your business, and then what's something counterintuitive that you've learned that you may not have expected to see when you when you started this uh, endeavor. So, I'll start with Hedva on that.
2: Well, I. There's so many examples of things I find when I'm in the home about how people are taking their medicines or non-prescription or supplements that they're taking that their doctor has no idea about, Um, or even a prescribed medicine, the doctor isn't aware how the patient is taking it. So there's so many different examples of things I find in the home that I bring to light for the healthcare team because I'm in the home and because I'm really exploring all of the medications that they're taking and how they're taking it. And just like your examples, are they eating regularly or what else is going on? So of course, I have many anecdotes to share, um, but I think being in the home is is so important to really see what that environment is like, just like you were describing, um, and the additional medicines that people are taking and don't realize how or what they're doing. But the one maybe aha moment, as I was thinking about this talk today is for all these years, the 20 years I've been doing this, More, most of the time, nine times out of 10 or even 10 times out of 10, when I'm in the home and maybe a phone call comes in or they're answering the door or whatever, I'm always referred to as the nurses here. I have a nurse visit. And i it, it's striking to me because we think about how society views pharmacists and what we do. Pharmacists don't make home visits. We don't do this kind of Thorough in, in intake or whatever of interview of patients, um, so it, it's an interesting perception of how they explain us, how they explain the way to somebody. The nurse is visiting, and then the other term I'll be called is a pharmacologist rather than a pharmacist or a clinical pharmacist or whatever. So it's just an interesting insight, I think, into how society views our profession because there's so much we offer, yet I think we're we still the secret is still with us. We have to do more. To let people know how much we can offer patients and healthcare, and we're on that verge. And I see so much potential on the horizon, um, but we still have to keep advocating for ourselves and what we can do. So, I just thought those thought, those observations were kind of interesting.
1: No, that's awesome. I I appreciate those comments, and you're you're right you're right on. And I think um, then I think I want to say thank you for being out there busting those barriers and breaking that mentality. Uh, because you are out there doing home-based visits, and you are providing benefits as a pharmacist, clinical pharmacist. Um, and it, it takes people like you and others out there doing it to change that perception. So I appreciate that. Lauren, um, what are your challenges and counterintuitive moments? Um, well, I had the,
0: that, that description. has I, I couldn't have followed a better per- description of, of what I've seen in, in my short time of doing this and how the home environment, we're, we're taking people in a nursing home and in an institution, a rehab, even in a clinic, it's it's a controlled environment. We're taking, like like you said, Chad, we're putting people back into the wild and we're, we're not assessing their behaviors and how they really got to that condition in the first place, especially multiple chronic conditions and uh, in in the elderly, which we all can attest to, is that things go wrong fast. And when you don't have that that dark area that that area where that environment where they're supposed to heal, if you don't understand it, if you don't understand what where people keep their medication, or you know they use old bottles with different people's names on it, and that that's what they've always done, and and of course a whole bunch of different scenarios, as head I was saying. It's just we have to put action into our 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 practice, and with people like Hedva and and Mary Pat, and and there's so many more out there. We have to make ways, and I think that's that's mm-hmm. happening. It's just slow to accept and slow to see pharmacists because hey hey, listen, we've never been able to just make a decision on our own without getting a verification. Or now there's the collaborative practice agreement. We haven't. Been recognized as that pivotal asset in in the way that we that that we can help, and that this is our arena. This is this is where a lot of the problems are happening. And until that whole shift and more people accept it, it's it's there barriers that definitely need to be addressed and, and just looked at differently. I think the way we execute just has to it's, it's taking a different mind of its own. It's just taking a little bit to get there. But I, I that's. What I've learned along the way along the way is that people aren't always looking for solutions, and if you know something works and it's it's you have the ability to say, "Hey, why not?" because the way we were doing it it's it's not really working right now it's beyond us or or we have to speed up to the times and doing that in the appropriate fashion and being able to produce produce the outcomes and understand how a person gets to where they are so chronically ill is, is going to be paramount in, in the success of pharmacists getting into the home and understanding about the person and, and how their medications will ultimately prevail in, that, in their home environment.
1: Okay, Lauren, thank you. Uh, Mary Pat, what are your challenges and counterintuitive moments?
0: So I think the
3: biggest counterintuitive moment that I've run into is we as healthcare providers, um, and I think everybody across the board is guilty of this, we assume that if the patient is having a problem, they'll identify it for us. Um, And what I found in my practice is generally what I start with is kind of a symptoms check. So I don't even talk about their diseases or their medications, I go through right away with their symptoms check. And it's, you know, head to toe symptoms check, you know, what's what's going on? Do you have these symptoms? Explain to me what's going on and what's happening. And what I find most interesting is when I look at those symptoms checks and then compare them against their disease states or against their medications, it's glaringly obvious that they have a side effect. Um, I had a gentleman that was taking a very large dose of a diuretic in the morning and he was taking it all as one dose. And he was falling on the way to the restroom because he wasn't—he wasn't, you know, paying attention to when he took the medication and when he would need to be in the restroom. And, you know, so for me, this is glaringly obvious. You know, this is an effect of the medication, and you know, you need to be prepared for it. And he—he he was like, "Well, what do you mean that's effect of the medication? Like, they—they they don't know what they don't know." So, what I generally start with is. Know, okay, let's look at your symptoms. Let's look to see if the medications are, you know, causing any of these symptoms or any of the diseases that are causing these symptoms. Um, And there's a real gap in knowledge about the disease states and how the medications work. Um, I find often that the patients um, are either unaware of the timing of the medication or they're unaware of, you know, some of the major side effects that. You know, if they had told their practitioner, hey, this side effect is happening, that the practitioner would, of course, you know, reduce the dose or change it to something else. But the patients generally attribute anything that's going on as part of the aging, um, you know, system. And so that, to me, I think is the most counterintuitive piece, um, because they, they don't start from the point of you know, something's going wrong. It could be my medications that's causing it, or it could be the disease that's causing it. They start right away with, well, it's just part of being old. And and they just kind of accept that, you know, yeah, of course I'm going to be falling asleep in the middle of the day. And of course I'm going to be, you know, falling as I'm trying to run to the bathroom. And of course I'm going to, you know, not be able to, you know, um, breathe or whatever. I mean, it's just very, to me, that seems, kind of strange. Um, And then the other piece that I ran into um, is patients are very hesitant for me to make any suggestions to their practitioners because they're they're afraid of two things. One, they're afraid I'm going to take away something from them that they feel is working. Um, or they feel like I'll be scolding their doctor somehow. I'll be getting them in trouble with their doctor. Um, so it's, it's still viewed as an adversarial relationship rather than um, a collaborative type uh, relationship where everybody is really working towards the best interest for the patient. So th- those, are, those are the two pieces that I have. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for um, being on the podcast today. You're definitely groundbreakers and innovators. And I think some of the themes that came out of our discussion are things like knowing the resident or knowing the patient, depending on what uh, environment you're in and understanding their home environment, understanding who they are as people. Um, And that can't be done without direct face-to-face communication uh, with the pharmacist uh, and the, and the patient um, and and direct being in an office setting direct being in their home uh, physically in evaluating the things that are uh, that are affecting them and um, their lives and I think you all in in one way or another articulated that same comment that if we've got to learn these people if we don't learn them we're not going to be able to apply the right solutions to them, and those solutions a lot of times are medications, and a lot of times it's the removal of medications that's the solution. So I appreciate everybody's time today and everybody's discussion. Um, we've had Head Valivi of HBL Pharma Consulting. We've had Lauren DePaul of Total Health Solutions. We've had Mary Pat Habermas of RX Angels. All of them are innovative, groundbreaking pharmacists. All of them participate on the Home and Community Based Consultant Pharmacist Panel, which is a panel at the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. They have a meeting within our annual convention, which is in Kissimmee, Florida from November 2nd through November 5th. Uh, You can find information about that on ASCP.com, but that Home and Community Based Consultant Pharmacist Panel will meet on November 3rd of that meeting if you're interested and if you're interested in becoming part of that panel um i know i, I may be speaking for the three uh, people on the on the call with me today but um it's certainly at least the beginning of a networking opportunity for pharmacists that really have a unique enough practice that they don't have a gathering place yet um so the innovators out there that are pressing into the community in different ways are coming together as part of this home and community-based consulting pharmacist panel to network and to learn uh, what people are doing. So it's a great opportunity. And you can email Bree, uh, and her email is B Berkeley, B-B-E-R-K-L-E-Y, at ASCP.com if you'd like to join that c- consultant pharmacist panel, the home and community-based consultant pharmacist panel. So everybody, thank you very much. Do you have any final comments uh, before we sign off here on the Senior RX Radio podcast?
2: I think we covered a lot of ground, and it's it's very rewarding to work with patients who are in the community setting. And I I'm so pleased that the three of us were able to share our experiences and um, our successes. So thanks for having pulling us together, Chad.
1: Sure. Anybody else with a final Chad. comment? Sure. Okay. Well, again, I appreciate it, ladies. Um, This has been Senior Rx Radio, sponsored by the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. I'm Chad Wurz, and uh, hopefully I will see everybody at the annual convention uh, for ASCP, November 2nd through 5th. And again, information on that is available at ASCP.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Senior RX Radio. Be sure to share this podcast with your fellow consultant pharmacists and pharmacy associates to learn more about better outcomes for older adult patients. Join us on the web at ASCP.com.